Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Yeah, I think you saw at the end of the, this last ball game, we didn't have Dalvin, and we're in a two minute throwing session, and, and not much changes. And, and really, that's the drop-off that we see for, at every position. Is, is It can't be much. We don't, we don't look at it like that. We look at it as our backups know the game plan cold, and they're ready to go. Are they the same player as, as a Dalvin Cook? No, but we understand that, but we're not going to limit ourselves in what we can do without any one of our players. Okay. Thanks, guys. All right, it is a... Friday on Purple Daily, Matthew Collar, Myron Metcalf in studio. And just right before we go on, you ask me what Jokic would do who plays for the Denver Nuggets if he didn't have basketball. And now you have distracted me entirely, Myron, from where I wanted to start the show because that's hilarious. Well, I mean, he has no other options, right? <laughs> right? But He's I, like, what, 7'2 and 320 pounds? He has no, he has zero <laughs> options, right? Bond villain. <laughs> Maybe like he that's he has to do it. Yeah, uh I think he would be one of those guys who would just like build their own ranch yes. in the middle of the woods somewhere and you would never they wouldn't have internet or yeah. whatever and then someone would have to take a carton buggy out there to do the long form feature for ESPN the magazine. Definitely. Like that's Definitely. what would happen. What happened to Jokic? Like yeah. oh yeah, that now he's got a beard that goes down <laughs> to his navel and he's been living in the middle of nowhere. He's probably the type of dude that hunts barehanded. <laughs> You know what I mean? He's a great passer, though. Great vision. Yeah. It's fun to watch. Yes. All right. Let's uh, let's stick to football here, Myron. Okay. Um, I want to go back to something you said a few weeks ago that I've been thinking about almost every week we talk, which yeah. is about trusting the Vikings. And last week, we were talking about them playing Seattle, and you weren't particularly high on that game because they are a hard team to trust against good teams. And where we stand right now, the record against good teams uh, against teams with above 500 records is 0-4 as the Bears go over 500 last night by beating Dallas, which we can get into a little bit. Um, so I've got a bunch of situations for you. Okay. And I want you to tell me how you feel about them. Because, feelings matter. Because you're the guy. That's what it's all about here. It's all about feelings and coverage breakdowns. True. We do that sometimes. And fullbacks. Um but but I I was started to think about situations in where we do and do not trust the Minnesota Vikings. So we're going to call this the Situation Room. Okay, all right? I like it's it. the first room to ever be called the Situation yeah, it's Room. Original. I think very I like original. That. Yeah, uh, and I want to begin with this game against Detroit. 
it has classic Viking thing written all over it yes. with David Blau starting. We're all like, well, you already won that one, and let's yeah. just go to Green Bay. And But you never really can, right, with the Vikings. But um, I'm going to give you this situation. You tell me how you react. Okay. They face the Lions. Detroit gives them a bit of a game. David Blau surprises you with two touchdowns or something like that. But you win by six points, and you take care of business. Would you look at that as, hey, whatever, you got to win, or would you look at it as, aren't you supposed to blow out these really bad teams? Or how many close games are you going to play? Uh, just coming off what happened in Denver and then a loss to Seattle. How would you look at that one if, if they play a close game against the Detroit Lions? I, I'd like to look at it uh, in terms of the latter perspective you described, but they haven't earned that expectation. So at this point, I think they're in a situation where you go, I won't be shocked if they win by six, by a touchdown, you hope, you would hope that this would be a team by this point that could stomp a team like Detroit and really have that definitive win. We talked about the Dallas game, where obviously that was impressive, but there was a stretch there where they got a chance to go up 21-zip, Yep. Uh, and then who knows, really pour it on from there. And when you watch last night, you watch a team like the Bears dominate, uh, especially early in the game, you go, why, why couldn't the Vikings have won by three or four touchdowns? I mean, yes. it's, you know? So I, I don't trust them to be the kind of team that can really step on anyone's neck. So I think they will – I hate the phrase playing down to their competition because I don't think that's valid. I do think this is a team, though, that tends to show up more so when the stakes are higher. I think this is a team that would perform better with Matthew Stafford back there. Hmm. Uh, the same way I thought they would have performed better with Patrick Mahomes playing in Kansas City. I just think they're one of those squads where you go – Here's a gift. Mm-hmm. They'll let you down. Yeah. Um, and maybe a letdown is only a six-point win or something like that. You yeah. just need to get past it. I, I wonder what you what your feeling is on the going back through the schedule and r- sort of rewriting that book each week. Because at one point, you had wins that looked pretty darn good. Yeah. You, let's go through it. I mean, week one, you beat Atlanta. You beat the hell out of Atlanta. And you go, oh, well, that's good a team. great way to start yeah, the right? Good, good I mean, team. They're bouncing back this year, and yeah. that's a good way to start your season. You're know, like, okay. Yeah. Uh, Oakland, you beat the tar out of them, yeah. and then they win a couple games. They beat Indianapolis, and you go, oh, well, maybe that win was better than I thought, but now their point differential is minus 84. So yeah. they're like a really bad team. Okay, great. Uh, New York, we knew at the time. Philly, good win. Philly, oh, yeah. yeah, you just did, you team. beat Carson Wentz and you <laughs> threw all over the Philly team. Now they're five and seven. They lost to the Miami Dolphins. Yep, not great. Uh, they the, might not win that division somehow, which is like it was right there for. Them. That's amazing that 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 could happen. And the Dallas one is definitely in this category of like. Oh, Cousins, it's national TV. What a victory against that great Dallas team. Look at them. They got almost 400 yards of offense, and you still beat them. And now they look like, how are you not firing your coach, Dallas? Fire everybody. Do, do you think that it is um, that it's wrong to go back through? Should we just kind of look at those for what we thought they were at the time? to give the Vikings credit, or should we do the hindsight thing and go back and go, wow, those wins really weren't that great? I think you have to do the hindsight thing because their measuring stick coming into the year was how they would fare against legit teams, legit playoff teams. Uh, Seattle's a legit playoff team. I mean, and those are the teams that they've struggled against. Had to go to Kansas City against Matt Moore. I mean, that's the kind of team that'll be 
uh, in the playoffs. You, you play a Bears team that suddenly has some interesting scenarios yeah. depending on how they finish the season. If Mitch Trubisky continues to play the way he has over the last three games. So I think you have to go, in hindsight, those weren't great wins. Those were the games you expect to win uh, when you're supposed to be a playoff team, when you're supposed to be a team that's competing for a Super Bowl. But it's against the good teams. My thing is this when it comes to Seattle, when it comes to their matchups against some of the better teams on their schedule. I think there are a lot of teams that are really close in the NFL. I don't think there's a ton of separation. Yeah. So what do you have to do in those scenarios? You've got to have some kind of X factor to pull ahead in those close games, especially Mm -hmm. on the road. And watching Seattle, you go, you know what? They've been in so many dicey situations. Uh, I don't think, I believe a 10-win team, they had the lowest point differential, I believe, in NFL history that won 10 games. But you look at them and you go, with Russell Wilson? They're going to find their way out of those situations, even if it's close. Yep. You go look at the Saints, you go, you know what? Michael Thomas will get them a play. You look at the 49ers, you go, I don't trust Jimmy G, but that nice defense, Bosa, Richard Sherman, someone's going to make a play that changes that game down the stretch if they're in that scenario. I don't know what that is with Minnesota. I don't know what that X factor is where you go in that situation that they found themselves in against Seattle, which felt like the playoffs could be the playoff matchup for them. What's their separator? And it's hard when I look at things uh, with the NFL, it's always through like a statistical lens. Mm-hmm. Is how logical can I be about this? And then we work our way down uh, to the, all right, well, what's the leadership situation or what's the clutch factor? Those other things that definitely matter. But I always start with the solid facts that we have. I mean, the, the, the most solid fact we have is the winning teams you faced, you're 0-4. Yeah. And you've had chances to win them all, and you didn't. There's two ways to look at that. There's, well, that means you could play with anybody. Or it means you can't get over the hump against anybody who's good, is that you just don't have that extra edge to you. You don't have that extra play in you that you need. So on fourth down, you end up throwing an incompletion. Or when it comes to Kansas City, when you get the ball back and you've got a chance to drive the field, you go three and out, you punt it out of bounds, and you lose the game to them. Or in Green Bay, you get to the end, you throw a pick. Like That might be just who you are when you get to the playoffs. And I think that that's probably a fair assessment of a team who's been like that now for two years under Kirk Cousins where every chance it seems they have to go down and win a game and I'm throwing out the Denver one I'm sorry they're awful this is not it's not the same conversation with a team that's horrendous like Denver Uh, so most of the time against real football teams when you have a chance to do something uh, that will ignite your fan base and make you believe that you can go down the stretch you don't do it you come up short you have things fall apart around the quarterback he isn't good enough to overcome those things and and right now there's a lot more falling apart than even was last year on the defense and it's most Mostly now looking like a product of schedule to the reason you're eight and four and not six and six. Yeah. And that's a fair way to assess them because until they give us another reason, how can you consider them to be anything but a team that has been a beneficiary of that schedule and a team that hasn't shown up in its toughest moments? I think I'm not moving the finish line. Mm-hmm. Folks care if they want to. I'm not doing it. Yeah. This was an investment. Like I, this is that's what this was. For fans have been waiting for so long to finally get to the mountaintop. You feel that to a certain degree with Case Keenum. You go to the NFC Championship game, and then there's an investment. You can make fun of the contract, whatever. With Kirk Cousins. There's an investment that says 
Here's our window. Mm-hmm. Those teams have to be scrutinized. That's why people are crushing the Cowboys. Yeah. There was an investment made to say this is our window. The Vikings are in a similar position where they went all in, Thielen and Diggs. They made sure that their key guys were set, were paid. They bring back Anthony Barr. This is your window. You don't make the playoffs a year ago, fine. You come into this year and it's like you expect improvement. And I don't know that there has been any moment this season to suggest that this is a team that can win a playoff game. Mm -hmm. And if they can't win a playoff game, what was the investment for? Like, what was the point of pouring all this money into a team that had already gone to the NFC Championship game? And how do I look at that as anything but failure if that's the scenario? We can get cute with it all we want. Mm -hmm. We can find different finishing lines if that's what we want to do to try to find out what a success was for the season. We can do that. But I think this is a team, honestly, man, if they're sitting in the middle of a lake... They're about 500 feet from being a bad team. They're a mile away from greatness. And I think that's the situation with them. They have a chance, I still think, to be great, to go on a run, to get into the playoffs, win a game. But it feels like that mediocrity, it's right there. And everybody can see it. And especially with the Rams win, with the Chicago win, it feels like they're creeping up on you a little bit more, which, of course, brings me to our next scenario. With I like to transition Detroit. like that. You know how yeah. I do that? You like my lake? You like my boat? That my was boat? very good. Yeah, I, I just that, thought that. I, I didn't know if it was going to land or not, but uh, I didn't want to did. try to add to it. Yeah, so I just figured I'd move on to the next scenario yeah. because I thought that's a great way to uh, to, to finish. I was nice going to say metaphor. Though. I was going to say a dock of greatness, but that felt like that was a little too a little too far. Uh, that's my hip hop album. Dock I, of greatness. sounds great. Um, they love you, Malax. That's a great <laughs> Northern Minnesota. If they lose to Detroit. Uh, are we just burning U.S. Bank Stadium to the ground? Because if you lose to Detroit, by no means are you out of the playoffs or anything like that. Um, you still got a great chance to go to Los Angeles to win. You could still beat Aaron Rodgers at U.S. Bank Stadium because um, they have pretty good performances there against him. And you can definitely beat Chicago. Mitch Trubisky looked better against some bad defenses. I'm not buying that. You know, he's all of a sudden, you know, Joe Montana now or even halfway good. Million yeah. dollars. Uh, although, man. Uh, Joe Buck last night. The guy throws a bubble screen, and Joe Buck goes, "What a pass by Mitch Trubisky!" Yeah. And I was thinking, if there was ever a societal metaphor for that guy throwing that pass and getting praised. Anyway, uh, if they lose to Detroit, what is your feeling on the team? Failure, because I don't see them winning the games ahead. The challenge is the teams after Detroit. You're playing teams that have something on the line. They got something to play for. Like Chicago, three games ago, looked like a team where you go, oh, they're going to limp to the finish line, end of the season. I mean, they're 7-6 and six now. Mm-hmm. They win their last three games. They're 10-6. and six. Things get interesting there. So now you might be playing a Bears team that has something to play for. You Don't know, ruin my next scenario. Well, I'll try not to. But you know you're playing Aaron Rodgers and what they have to play for in the Rams team. It would feel like failure. I watch... People around the country crush Jason Garrett uh, for the sinking ship known as the Dallas Cowboys. It has been difficult for me because you've got folks who go, it ain't Kirk Cousins. And you can say that about Seattle. There are a lot of situations, a lot of things that went wrong in that game that had nothing to do with Kirk Cousins. However, in most scenarios, if it's not your quarterback, then it's your coaching. Zimmer's been protected from that in many ways. If you lose to the Lions, me personally, I'm not sure how we don't shift the conversation to why can't Mike Zimmer do more with the pieces he has? Because that's a conversation that hasn't started yet. 
because it's been easier to fault Kirk Cousins. But that ain't happening in Dallas. Mm-hmm. That's not happening with the Chargers. That's not happening with a lot of teams that have been disappointments in this league. Those coaches have taken that heat. And Mike Zimmer has been sort of insulated from that. You lose to Detroit, that whole narrative changes. He is one of the least criticized coaches Definitely. in the NFL. I mean, if they lose a game, any game, and you're talking about you know ESPN's Get Up or whatever, that's the show everybody's watching in the morning, they tune in, and the, the guys are about to rip somebody from the Vikings for losing yesterday. Would the first person ever come to mind that it's Mike Zimmer? Never. Uh, never. It's always Kirk Cousins. Yep. 99 times out of 100, it's going to be Kirk Cousins. And with Zimmer... He mostly hasn't been criticized because he's done what Mike Zimmer was hired to do, which is to build an elite defense and have it win them a lot of games. And you look at his record, he's won a lot of games. And without quarterback stability to win games consistently in the NFL, even if it's eight or nine, is pretty hard to do. A lot of times, if you're bouncing from quarterbacks, if you're going from Bridgewater to Bradford to Keenum to Cousins, you're talking about a roller coaster ride. And if your floor is eight wins, that means your defense is pretty darn good. But this year, now that the defense is in the spotlight, for sure, if David Blau does something against you, which I wouldn't count out, you've already been beaten twice by backup quarterbacks in case Keenum had a good half against you and kept Washington right there with you. Yeah, And, and so I wouldn't entirely count out anything when it comes to this defense because they just haven't been all that good. They've been a mid-pack defense, which means any week you're capable of being pretty good, any week you're capable of being pretty bad. And against Seattle, it was it was really bad, and it yeah. wasn't all Russell Wilson. It wasn't like Wilson just went off and yeah. just said, well, that's just Michael Jordan yeah. dropping you know fadeaway jumpers on us and there's nothing we could do. That was handing off a lot and running down your throat, things that we just haven't seen. And I agree with you entirely that if they were to lose this game against Detroit, we would be starting to have that conversation about the seat getting hot and Mike Zimmer is a product in a way of setting his own bar very high when you go to the NFC championship with a backup quarterback your ownership says well this is what you can do let's let's go get you a real quarterback and then see what you can do and we knew the moment that Kirk Cousins was brought here that Mike Zimmer over the next couple of years was going to define how he uh is is remembered in Minnesota, what his legacy is going to be, and how long he's going to be here is going to be based on getting into the playoffs and winning games in the playoffs, not uh, did you get there. Did you just arrive in the playoffs and get knocked out as a sixth seed? Well, that's not going to be good enough when the investment has been so high. And if they lose to Detroit, then that conversation starts happening. But on the other side of that coin, it doesn't end the world at all. And we see upsets all the time and weird things happen and the ball is shaped funny. So sometimes it bounces stupid. Like it would be ball is shaped funny. It really is. And that's one of the best parts of the game is how funny the ball is shaped and how stupid the bounces are. Like Russell Wilson tap passing it to Anthony Harris. That was amazing. It really was. Uh, I said that it was the first time Russell Wilson's height was a problem (laughs) in his entire career. It took eight years, and that was the first time. Um, But I I agree with you that we're going to not only believe that this team can't do anything if they do get to the playoffs, but Zimmer's going to be under the white-hot light. And yet, at the same time, just because of circumstance and schedule and how things have worked out in the NFC, you'll still be right there in pretty good good positions. It's going to be weird. Yeah, just at what point do you get sick of being right there? Like at, yeah. what, at, at what at what point do you get sick of just getting into the party? Are like we, if, are we entering I mean? like Marvin Lewis territory with this? It feels that I mean it feels like the complacency. I mean that's something you got to watch out for because again we're moving the standard in terms of. 
we thought Super Bowl coming to the season that they would be one of those teams that could qualify. Now you're saying, okay, they, they still get into the playoffs even if they lose Sunday. They still have a good chance. Is that enough? I, I just think we will look back at this if they don't advance, uh, make a run in the playoffs as nothing more than a failed experiment. Mm-hmm. There's no other way to look at it. And I think everybody's going to lose their gig. Like they're, Everyone's going to be remembered uh, as part of this failure if that's what transpires. And I just think that being content with qualification is not something that people should stand for because there are too many weapons. There's been too much of an investment, too many opportunities to win mm-hmm. games where you'd be even in, in a better position. We can't move the standard for this Vikings team. I would go back to what Kirk Cousins said in minicamp or OTAs when he said the next level for me is getting us deep in the playoffs. And if that's the standard that your franchise quarterback is setting for himself, I think that's where we should have it too. I agree. We shouldn't say, well, they made the playoffs. It was fine. Well, it's not fine. Not with the talent that you have and the number of pro bowlers. And you look around that locker room and you go, well, geez, they even got rookies who are good now and Herb Smith and BC Johnson and and Bradbury's improving and you got these pro bowlers on defense. Defense. It's not like there's any excuse if you don't go there. And if they lose to the Lions, we're going to feel like, oh boy, there is no chance, especially since it's U.S. Bank Stadium, there's no chance you're going anywhere, even if you do make the playoffs, which brings me to the next scenario here. Let's say they take care of business with the Lions. My expectation is they win by 20 points. Yes. I, I think they should just blow them out. But the Bears make things interesting down the stretch, and you get to Week 17, and you have to beat the Bears to get into the playoffs. You have to defeat them at U.S. Bank. Does this sound familiar at all? It sounds familiar. Yeah. Did this happen if, if at some I, point in the I past? If I do this, does yeah. that make yeah, it you... Sounds, if I, what I'm doing... Did that happen like a Disney movie or something? For, yeah. Was there a scenario like that or something? <laughs> no, that was... Uh, Disney Plus, I'm sure, is great, but that was yeah. just last year. Okay, that was last um, year. So okay. if we get a repeat of last year, would you trust the Vikings to beat Mitchell J. Trubisky? Any idea on his middle name? Probably a J. Mitchell J. Trubisky in Week 17. Would well, you trust? If he gets him to the playoffs, they're going to say his middle name is Jordan, as an MJ. I think um, <laughs> it's amazing. Trust, trust. He plays, he plays two good games. <laughs> like, oh my God, he's always, back. People, people are people are waiting for him to get better, and they're just waiting for Lamar Jackson to fall. Like, yeah, you know what I mean. Yep. Like that's the narrative. Is like, give Mitch Trubisky a chance. Wait until we figure out Lamar Jackson. Uh, Jonathan says it's Mitchell David Trubisky. I Mitchell, can I Mitchell can endorse David. fully endorse that middle name. David, okay, same. Um, I mean, would we trust them to do anything in the playoffs in that situation if they won that game, or would you trust them to win that game? I mean, that becomes the thing. I don't think, I don't think they beat that hungry Bears team in a clutch situation if it's for the playoffs. But even if you win, if you're in a must-win scenario, what changes? Why, why should anyone believe that you're a, che- a team that? Is going to have to go on the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's capable of winning, winning a game. Like in a vacuum, of course Minnesota wins that game. In, in a vacuum, Minnesota wins all of these games going forward. I think they have a chance to a good chance, but that's not how you play football. And I just think this has been a team where you haven't had everyone playing well together in recent weeks. And that's a problem. You haven't had defense, offense, special teams all excelling. And that, to me, is the danger down the stretches. The defense is slipping. Special teams, my goodness. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's not quite the Patriots who didn't have an active a kicker under active roster coming in into today. 
But it was a mess against Seattle. Just decisions, mistakes you can't make. So I would say a team limping into that Week 17 matchup against the Bears, win or lose. You lose, you're out. Obviously, that's failure. But winning doesn't do a whole lot because you'd be thinking, for me, I'd go, how'd you end up in that scenario? And the Bears still do have a very good defense, and that has been the issue with Kirk Cousins against the Bears mm-hmm. in the three games he's played since he arrived in Minnesota. And they're still seventh in the NFL in yards per play against and allowed six points to the Vikings before. So trusting them to win that game would be pretty tough. Even if the Bears are out of it, they're going to want to eliminate uh, an NFC North opponent. And Again. that's that's one where you would just see it lining up to be so classic Vikings. But let me paint my last scenario, and then we're going to talk with Jeff Rieger uh, here about what's going on with the Detroit Lions and whether Matt Patricia will continue to be their coach or if it could be Kevin Stefanski next year. But here's, here's the scenario. So let's say it's either Green Bay or Chicago. In one of those two games, Kirk Cousins is down by four points with one minute to go. And he leads a game-winning drive, not with screens, not with handing it to Delvin, but with throwing the football and picking somebody apart, getting pressure in his face, making plays, rolling out a little bit. Then would you feel differently? Because uh, the vibe of this first 25 minutes of the show is don't trust them in the playoffs at all. Would that change if he showed you something at the end of a game versus a dangerous defense in Green Bay or in Chicago in one of those two games? Uh, it, it wouldn't change anything for me because we've seen that already. We just haven't seen it consistently. You know, I, I think we know we know Kirk Cousins has that in him. I mean, we've seen the 400-yard performances. We've seen those moments where he said, oh, yeah, that, that's an $84 million quarterback. We just haven't seen it consistently. But we also really haven't seen a moment. Like, we haven't had a Kirk moment. Yeah, that, and that could, be, that could be a definitive moment for a season. But I think you'd still go into the postseason going, okay, does he have it there? Because Mm -hmm. that's just a different set of circumstances. Like, you consider over the last 22, 23 years, how many quarterbacks have led their teams to Super Bowls? You know? It's like eight or nine guys. Yeah, it's not that that, many. You know? Yep. So, like, you have to admit that quarterback play matters a lot in that situation. But those guys were all great for the most part. Yep. Who led their teams to... What about Trent Dilfer? Yeah, exactly. Brad Johnson. You can bring up like two guys, but for the most part, you're talking about great Hall of Fame level quarterbacks. Brad Johnson underrated. I'm just. I, I agree. He was tall. Um, that they were a, a pivotal part of how their teams won Super Bowls, competed for Super Bowls. You have to have something there. And when I look at the NFC, I'm like, I don't care who you're playing. Your defense shows up. You have to beat Russell Wilson down the stretch of a close game. You're going to have to deal with that San Francisco defense. Drew Brees, probably in New Orleans, to Michael Thomas. How do you stop that if it comes down to the final drive? There are so many scenarios where I go with these other teams. You're like, oh, man, this is how they beat the Vikings. That's how they beat the Vikings. That's how they beat the Vikings. Whereas in the reverse scenario, I'm like, I don't know how the Vikings beat them in those situations. So even if Kirk Cousins showing up against Green Bay, you go, great win, big moment for Kirk. I got to see it in the postseason. All right, let's talk with Jeff Rieger of 97.1 The Ticket when we return, get his take on Matt Patricia's year two and who is David Blau. We will discuss Myron Metcalf, Matthew Collar on a Friday here on Purple Daily.
Football fans, it's Mackie here for Federated Insurance. You might not know this about me, but I've been a business owner a couple different times in my life. I can relate to the roller coaster ride, the never ending sea of problems to solve, the exhilaration of those incremental wins. If you're a business owner, I recommend getting to know Federated, which has over a century of experience in protecting businesses and making them as successful as they can be. You want a company like Federated standing behind your business? Visit FederatedInsurance.com to find your local representative. Federated Mutual Insurance Company, it's our business to protect yours. Jonathan here with the Score North download for this hour. Just a reminder, download the Score North mobile app and register for listening rewards because this month one lucky app user will win a $200 Amazon gift card just for having and registering that mobile app. You'll also have a chance at many other great prizes just for listening. All you have to do is download the app, register the app, and enter through listening rewards or listen to scorenorth.com and you have your chance at winning a $200 Amazon gift card. Well, the Cowboys, they played the Bears last night on Thursday Night Football. They ended up losing 31-24. It was their third loss in a row, but they somehow are still first in the NFC East because it's the worst division in all of football. And their owner, Jerry Jones, always goes on the radio with 105.3, the fan in Dallas. And, well, it started off a little bit testy this morning. What answer do you have for how this team is playing right now? We're not playing very well. Are you embarrassed? Are you embarrassed as an organization about how the team is hey, playing? Get your damn act together yourself. Now, I'm, 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 we're going to have a good visit this morning, but uh, settle down just a little bit. I, I mean, I, I, as a Cowboys a lot, fan, Jerry, got a, a lot to go over. Now, going with your question, but uh, uh, I'm going to uh, give you the answers I want to give you this morning. And uh, I've been traveling all night, and I'm not. I don't have the patience to jack with you today. All right, there, Jerry. That's been your score north download. Now back to Purple Daily. Thank you, Jonathan. Back here, Matthew Collar and Myron Metcalf on a Friday on Purple Daily. And now we bring in our friend of the show from 97.1 The Ticket, Jeff Rieger. What's going on, Jeff? How are you? What's going on? I just wish the Lions owners cared as much as Jerry Jones does right there. <laughs> I do a lot for Martha Ford to sound like that. My goodness. Uh, yeah, that's, um, that's, that's a thing that happens. Usually they give a little more patience to, uh, let's say, Matt Millen for a while, hung around uh, with his job. And the case seems to be similar with Matt Patricia. I don't even hear Matt Patricia hot seat talk on the national level. Um, is that a real thing or not, Jeff? Yeah, you know, try and shame that it's not a real thing. I don't think it is a real thing. I think the only way that Matt Mill or Matt Millen, Matt Patricia, and Bob Quinn, for that matter, the GM, would have been sent packing was if there was going to be a complete and total embarrassment on Thanksgiving. Like, if the fans didn't show up or if they showed up and protested or if they showed up a T-shirt that said, sell the team, then, you know, that's the only way the Fords make moves. But it, it is a crying shame, to tell you the truth. I mean, you guys see it. He went 6-10 and 10 his first year. His second year, talking about Patricia, he gets to go out and picks all his guys overpays Trey Flowers, Justin Coleman, Mike Daniels, and they have one of the worst defenses in the league. And I know they're going to tell the Ford family that, hey, we're playing without Matthew Stafford, but the dirty little secret is Stafford was playing awesome in the eight games that he played. The defense was just horrendous. So, I mean, people in Detroit want him gone so bad. But I'm with you guys. I don't think it's going to happen, and there's not a whole lot of buzz about it. Uh, Obviously, him struggling to to coach his team to winning football is the biggest thing, but... How much of the perception of him is that that Belichick arrogance that he's had from day one? Just the idea as if he's been owed something because he was on the Patriots staff. No, I think it's a great point. I do. Like 
it's weird because you spend your entire life trying to get a gig in the NFL as a head coach, and you would think you would adjust and adapt, and you would think you would come in and know that you don't have the resume of Belichick, so you can't act like Belichick. But, but that doesn't stop Matt Patricia. We've heard the first year he had a bunch of guys that didn't buy in, so he pretty much shipped them out of town. You know, there were stories as far as OTAs last year that he had lost the team, that they got rolled by the Jets in the first game, and you know, it was a horrendous season from him going at a reporter for slouching to him showing up late for meetings, and it was written about and reported about. And then this year has been even worse. Like, apparently he's been nicer to the media. He has. And apparently there's more buy-in in the room. But, guys, they traded away Quandry Diggs, and that was a safety they gave an extension to. And they decided to trash him on his way out saying, well, he's not playing good football. He goes to Seattle. He wins Pro Football Focus Weekly, number one safety. And Pete Carroll goes on and on about how he uses his tape, his video, to teach other safeties and how he reminds him of Earl Thomas. They got a fifth-round pick. Yeah, they got a fifth-round pick. This is the Lions, guys. They got a fifth-round pick for Quandry Diggs. You know, you had Glover Quinn. Remember him? Great guy. Great safety. He went on the Pat McAfee show the other day and said, listen, I'm not quite sure he's a year removed. He retired. The Lions didn't want him back. I'm not quite sure that our guys have enough, talking about the Lions players, have enough love or like in the Patricia system to gut it out the remaining four games of the season, essentially saying they just want the season over. I mean, this is a disaster. So I'm with you. Patricia is a rocket scientist. You know, he went to RPI, and he's always the smartest man in the room, and he never answers a question, and he uses a thousand words to tell you nothing. And the only reason I can think of keeping him in Detroit is if you keep him in Detroit, you keep him away from the Rockets at Nassau. Because if he's this bad as a defensive coordinator, you don't want him getting fired and then going to Nassau to work with the Rockets. That's the only reason. <laughs> Talking with Jeff Rieger of uh, 97 won the ticket. Um, now, how much is it... And I think Patricia's a bad coach, too. But how much is it on some some bad luck with Patricia this year? Because you have all sorts of close games that don't go their way for whatever reason. I mean, in Kansas City, you're right there. Even in the game against the Vikings, they're in the ballpark. And then, sure. uh, the, you know, they make a defensive mistake at the end and the game is over like that. Uh, and then Matt Stafford gets hurt after a game in which uh, it was very close in Oakland and they almost won that one. So how much is it just sometimes football is weird and there's bad luck involved? No, I, I fair. I do. And, you know, one of the talking points that Patricia goes on and on and on and on about is the fact that every game is close and that they've led in every game. And the only two other teams that have done that, I believe, is the Ravens and the Niners. So two really good teams, two winning teams. But I guess what I would say is twofold. Number one, it's the NFL. It's a league of parity. So, like, there's not too many times that you're winning by two scores, right? I mean, usually it's a one-possession game how these games end. So, I mean, I don't think that's some kind of, like, accomplishment to be close. Now, maybe in Detroit, I guess, maybe, but I don't think that's the greatest endorsement of how good of a coach you are. The second thing is, you are right. There's been bad luck. They've had a ton of injuries. Max Harrison was injured to begin with. Trey Flowers was injured to begin with. They lose Matthew Stafford. But what I would say is, every game they were in, every game their defense failed them. They gave up 419 yards against the freaking Chicago Bears and Mitch Trubisky on Thanksgiving. They lost to a 1-9 Washington team where they took the lead and allowed um, Dwayne Haskins to run down the field. But he looked atrocious the entire game. 
So it's always been on the defense this year, and that's Matt Patricia's baby. He's an alleged defensive genius. So as bad as they say, it's had bad luck. There's no doubt about it. But it always falls down on that defense. You mentioned the Chiefs game. They played the Chiefs game great. And the city of Detroit had a moral victory parade because they almost beat the Chiefs. It was fourth and eight. And next thing you know, Patrick Mahomes runs for the first down because they rushed three and they couldn't get off the field. So it's been a theme all season long. It's been the defense. And that's Matt Patricia. That falls on the head coach. And I think that's what – if, if they were a bad offensive team but a shutdown defensive team, I think they'd have a leg to stand on. And I think the fans would be more understanding of the situation. But the fact that you hired a defensive-minded guy and his defense is so bad, I think that's where people kind of, like, realize he needs to go. Real quick, when you all address him, do you call them yeah. snacks directly? Do you call them snacks? Yeah. Really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Greatest nick- that's the greatest nickname in, fantastic. in all of football. Matthew Stafford. I think what's fast. Awesome. Are you aware that his Twitter name is at Snacks? I didn't know that. That is just How do you get that? I, snacks. I don't know. I mean, that's, pretty, that's pretty amazing. Uh, Matthew Stafford. He's I think, a great nickname, great guy. But yeah, go ahead. Well, one of the coolest things about, I think, Stafford is that I think people forget how young he is. And I think we're going to look back five, six, seven years from now and go, oh, my goodness, how many yards did he rack up? How did he do this? We almost forget. <laughs> How will he be remembered? Uh, because, uh, you know, it doesn't seem like there's a scenario where things dramatically improve uh, with, with him and the Lions. I, what will his legacy be when it's all said and done if this continues? I, I think a big question is something we talk about in Detroit constantly because there's two camps of Stafford fans. There's the camp that say he's the best quarterback we've ever had. We love him. He's the greatest. You see his arm talent. He's the best. Then there's other people, and I might fall into this category, that think, this guy has never won a big game. He hasn't even accidentally backed in to a big game. I mean, look back to 2016. He was awesome, hurt his pinky finger, lose to the Cowboys, the Giants, and the Packers, and don't win the division. They lose in the first round. He's had another chance where last game of the season, at home, he's got to beat Aaron Rodgers. Can't for the division. 2013, they started off, I want to say, 8-3, and and lost like the last five, six games of the season because Stafford was horrendous. You guys are right. I mean, he could be a Hall of Famer. When it's all said and done, he's going to be right up there for total yards in a career. He had the game-started streak. He obviously threw for 5,000 yards in 2011. But I think he's going to be remembered as a guy that wasn't able to get the job done. And it's not obviously all on him. But when you get paid $30 million a season, I think fans grow irritated with the one constant has been Matt Stafford for the last decade or really 11 years, and they've lost. Now, granted, they've lost for my entire lifetime, so it's not <laughs> Stafford. But, I mean, the last decade or so, he hasn't been able to been the, I guess, turning point. So, so I, I think that's how he's going to be remembered as a guy that couldn't get the job done. But, again, other people will remember him as the greatest Lions quarterback to ever play. Has anyone ever seen Kirk Cousins and Matt Stafford in the same room? Because if you just if you just slid Kirk Cousins' name in there and it had all those descriptions, it would be almost exactly the same. And as far as Stafford being the best Lions quarterback, I mean, uh, low bar. Like, yeah, I guess uh, Dave Craig, 1994, was uh, my uh, favorite before um, Matt Stafford, right? right? Not made the pick from. That's like saying he's my favorite zit on my body. Like, this is my, Thanks. you know, that's, I really, I, mean, I didn't need that, Jeff. Been horrendous. 
Uh, Jeff Rieger, 97, won the ticket. Uh, well, okay, so now David Blau is going to start. And I'm glad that I know how to pronounce his name after watching him on Thanksgiving. It actually turned out to be a fun game, though, on Thanksgiving. Which, who who would have guessed that the most entertaining football game on Thanksgiving of that slate was going to be Detroit and Chicago? So is there any chance, Jeff, that David Blau can operate a decent offense against the Minnesota Vikings, knowing that the Vikings did give up 30 points? points to the Lions the last time they faced each other? Uh, that's a good question. And you are right, by the way. Blah, blah was really good. Bouncy, will you stop? My dog is barking. I'm sorry. That's okay. We accept she's that on the show. By, <laughs> she, she's very offended by Matt Stafford, too, as you can tell. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but no, I, I think David Blau, he was very impressive, considering he really didn't get any reps. He just went through walkthroughs. So he was super impressive on Thanksgiving. I don't think there's a chance that they go into Minnesota. I don't and get a W. They're two-touchdown underdog. And I do think there's something to be said about quarterbacks and why they're backups. Blau is an undrafted free agent. Of course, he, he beat Ohio State at Purdue. But with that being said, the Minnesota's had, what, 10 days, 11 days, 9 days, whatever it's been, to look at Blau, figure out maybe some tendencies. So I'd be shocked if the Lions find a way to go in there and get a W. The other thing, too, is, I do think there comes a point in time where kind of what Glover Quinn said comes into play. Like, this is a defense that is horrendous. It's not playing well. They don't tackle well to begin with. So you do wonder, maybe it's only a matter of time before, you know, I don't want to say guys quit, but for that next phase of, hey, we're so close to the season being over, let's get this thing over and Maybe that compete level isn't as high. Yeah, that's what we saw last year in Detroit at the end of the year, where the first half was close, and then the Vikings got a Hail Mary touchdown, and Detroit went like, no, nope, nope, we're not tackling anybody. Uh, we don't want to get hurt, guys. The rest of this game, yeah. Uh, what kind of dog, Jeff? Uh, she's a shug. Her name is Bouncy. She's a shepherd pug. Very cute dog. <laughs> very good, very good. Well, uh, we always appreciate having you on, and someday I feel like, Jeff, Someday, and I'm not saying this is soon, we'll have a big Vikings-Detroit game to talk about, and it will be exciting in our conversation. Yeah. (laughs) Do you you, you guys have any idea how many of these things I do? (laughs) And it's always the same thing. It's always like, oh, we can talk about the other team because you guys have postseason. The Lions are just, uh, you know, meaningless games before Turkey Day. They call them I-75 eyes, by the way. There's a freeway that runs by Ford Field. It's called 75. And there's a chance that most of the players want to get the hell out of town by now. <laughs> so for as long as I've lived, they've been called I-75Is. That ah. This point of the season, when you don't want to play anymore and you just want the season to get done and you want to hop on 75 and get the hell out of Detroit, you get the I-75Is. And, <laughs> and I think we're going to see some of that in Minnesota. That's great, man. That's great. Well, Jeff, you are good at your job, so that's why we like having you on to talk about your bad team that you cover. So good job. <laughs> Th- thank you for coming on and pet your dog for us. Yeah, guys, have a great weekend. It's a pleasure. Yeah, Thanks. for sure, Jeff. Uh, follow him at Rieger, R-I-G-E-R, 1984. He is on 97.1 The Ticket, Jeff Rieger. Um, Myron, you showed me a headline that I almost started laughing during our interview about. Would you like to read it? Cowboys Jerry Jones cut off during radio interview for cursing twice. <laughs> Kind of sums up the whole state was, of the Cowboys organization. Last night, how many times he was cursing. Oh, man. Uh, how is that not over? It, I mean, there's no real explanation for, for that, right? Other than you have a guy who I think knows that, you know, you've kept him this long. You might as well see the season through. But it, it's the idea that he has backed him throughout the year. And 
It's amazing. I believe he's the only guy who has a tenure of seven years or more in the NFL as a head coach that doesn't have a Super Bowl. You know, so like the guys who last in this league, it's because they won Super Bowls. Yeah. He doesn't have that. Nothing close to it. And yet here he is. I just think you have a situation where Jerry Jones has to be stripped of his power. uh, And that's not going to happen because he's Jerry Jones. So they'll just continue to be in this situation. But that's another team where we can't move the bar. Yeah. They were built to win a Super Bowl. They invested like a team that expected to win a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And now here they are, six and seven. And and the game against the Eagles in week sixteen could be what decides the division. You're in that situation Which in Dallas. I can't rant loudly enough about a seven and nine team being in the playoffs when <sighs> there are several teams that are going to be above five hundred, possibly nine and seven, not in the playoffs. It's unfair. It's just a sports injustice and it needs to change. Um, now, let me float this theory to you. It's a possibility. I don't exactly endorse it, but I think it needs to be thrown out there. That maybe they just weren't that great to begin with. Like the Cowboys. They got hot early in the season, had some pretty easy schedule, which we know this is the year of the schedule. The yeah. year of there are just good teams and there are bad teams and there's very little in between. And if you played the bad teams, then you probably beat that a lot of them and you probably looked better than you are at some point. We decided very early on this season, oh, Dallas, pretty good team. And I wonder if, in a way, they've just been sort of revealed as not being as great as we thought. I mean, when you look at the the top-ranked offense, I mean, the offense that's been fairly good, Dak Prescott has been the, had the highest passer rating. Like, on paper, you look at them and go, why aren't they better? I mean, this is a team that... In the last couple of years, their defense had been a really good unit, a really strong group, and now they're not. Uh, you have Amari Cooper. Yeah, you can talk about the injuries, but Michael Gallup has been pretty good. You sign arguably the best running back in the league to a new contract. He doesn't look like he was worth the money. Yeah. So there are a lot of things that maybe went against them, but still, when you have those tools and weapons, that offensive line, when it's healthy, you expect them to be able to win games, even if their defense isn't great. And now they just look pedestrian, man. And I think we didn't make more of that loss to the Jets. I think that was a game yeah. where we kind of said, ah, weird things happen in football. You know, people have bad days. Yep. That was indicative of, of how bad things can get for this team. I just think they're a terrible team. Yeah, I think that the other part of it, too, is they could easily be much better if a couple of game scenarios aren't so badly mismanaged and players in this here NFL, they know stuff like they've got the internet. They know when their coach is making terrible in game decisions. If you are on that team and you're playing the Minnesota Vikings or the new England Patriots, because they did this (laughs) twice. And uh, there was a president once that said, fool me once won't get fooled again. Yeah. And uh, that's not Jason Garrett, because he got fooled again, where they needed to go for it on fourth down to try and score a touchdown against the Vikings. They didn't do it. They get down by four. They screw themselves. And they did it again against New England. If you're a player on that team, you got to be like, how do we get this guy fired? This yeah. is this is so preposterous that, that he's making the same mistake that he made a few weeks ago and losing the same way he lost a few weeks ago. How can he continue to do this week in and week out? Well, and the bizarre thing is, at least like when you look at a Mike Zimmer, you know that he's a defensive guy, right? And very involved in that. 
what is Jason Garrett involved in? He's not. Well, he's not managing the primary the game play caller. You know. He's not managing the defense. Yeah. Like so, what does he do? Like his job is essentially to try to clap, bring everything to, unnecessarily. By the way, stop clapping. If if you clap more than eight times a day, stop. I don't remember the last There's time not, I clapped. There are, not, for eight, there are not eight things to clap for in any given day. Save your clapping, man. But like, this is a guy who his job is to bring these groups together to really be a great game manager. He can't do it. You know, you can't you can't trust him. Yet he still has a job. It doesn't make any sense to me. I really do wonder when the last time I clapped was. I mean, most sports that I go what makes to, you clap. I go, um, hmm. you know, most of, like that would be the thing that you would do. It's like sports, but yeah. since we cover games as reporters, yeah. we aren't clapping in the press box. Try clapping in your regular life, just like tomorrow when you're walking around the Great house. Great point, just clap. Myron. Just clap. Do you but, have to like yell when you clap like a football? He guy, does. Or? I mean, the weird thing is, just don't clap when you're losing. Three games in a row. Uh, yeah, and by a lot. That's they, the, the worst game when they showed it. Is by a lot. Yes, that they were losing. The, wor- the worst guy is the guy who's clapping and trying to get professional athletes hmm. fired up, and you're down big. Getting the dog to come in from outside. Clap. Like, yep. She is it like a celebratory clap? No, it's just like, hey, come on. Yeah, that's not yeah. the same. So that's oh. not the same thing. No, Garrett is doing that motivational TED talk clapping. Oh, you know what I mean? Where everybody's clapping for no reason and yeah. it feels cultish. Like yeah. that's that's the clapping he's doing. Uh, before we wrap up on this point, um, maybe. Would you you don't clap at like a concert? Most people go after a great song and they go like woo. Yeah, I'm a right. woo guy. I'm a, yeah. I'm a I'm a I'm a fist pump. Yeah, you could fist sometimes pump. even too. Like if, sometimes I'll even do like the Rocky running up the step if it's really good. Really, I've, I've thrown up both okay. before. I uh, when I when I go to concerts, I just stand there. I don't you dance. Mean, you, I don't move. Then don't go to I concerts. Just stand there. I so I play music. And I love to watch closely what they're doing, just like in sports, how we're like looking for the smaller things. So I'll be like, oh, that's an interesting chord progression that guy's oh. using. And my wife is like, are you hating this right now? I'm like, no, I'm just watching the, yeah. the thing. Let loose a little bit, Kyle. Yeah, you got Because then, 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 then the, band, the band sees you doing that, and then they're like, man, these guys in Minneapolis, they don't, yeah. they don't have the energy. I'm, I'm just, I'm just analyzing. Use the two fists. I'm the, you, Two fists, people notice you. Can a white person do it? Maybe, but when they see a brother in the so. crowd doing I'm two fists. I'm trying it right now. I'm going to go, no, that doesn't just, feel right. You just, just pump it, man, you know? Go back over It here. works. It works. All right. Um, what's your game of the week? Not Vikings involved. Clap after you give your analysis. I'm not, I'm not going to clap. Um, Maybe if, pump your fists. Uh, I'll, I'll give you mine first. Uh, I'm most interested in Los Angeles and Seattle. I mean, it's obvious, but... Seattle uh, wins that game, then that's a big deal for the Vikings because that kind of puts a bullet in the Rams a little bit. But yeah. if the Rams win that, then all of a sudden we have to go, hmm. Yeah. We have to go, Rams. I, I think uh, <laughs> Chiefs-Patriots is one of those games where you go, if the, if the Chiefs win that game, we've kind of forgotten about the Chiefs since Mahomes returned. I know, returned, right? and like, I don't know why. They should be right about, in the Super Bowl conversation. We don't talk about Mahomes at all. It's very bizarre. But I think they win that game, all of a sudden it's like, uh-oh. Watch out for them. Here's the, here's the one I'm mad about that I can't see, which is San Francisco at New Orleans. Yeah. San Francisco, this schedule is insanity. And I do want to see Baltimore at Buffalo. That Buffalo defense is good. They're 9-3, and three, but I don't think that they're good enough to stop that team. Buffalo is a, similar to the Vikings, where I don't think they have a win against a winning team. No. They've had, they had, the, what, the easiest schedule through 11 games in the NFL. Right. So. so they get a chance to prove that they're kind of for real. It's, it's a good slate here, except for Monday night, which... Yikes. But Monday night's only good because the NFC East is interesting. 
And the Eagles got to keep winning to make that Cowboys matchup. Giants something. are still in the playoff race. It's just, dude, <laughs> can you cancel an entire division for the playoffs? Uh, you need to right now. I, I'm I'm gonna lose my mind when Dallas is hosting a playoff game. It's not at fair. seven and nine. I love what the NBA is doing, talking about reseeding the entire yeah. playoffs. That's how it should be. You shouldn't be rewarded because you win a weak division. Right. Right. Or I, I've. I've even wanted what to go the as twelve or something. I've wanted to go as far as I don't understand college jokes. Um, okay, it was, I, it was a great one. But. I've wanted to go as far as just one through twelve, AFC NFC. Don't I like care. it. Just let's give me the best records. One I, through twelve. I, see, I think fans would like that. Yeah, you know. And then top four, they don't have to play in the first weekend, and it's not a division thing. It's not a conference thing. You just play. I'd I'd love it. I'd, I'd love to see it. But you know, there'd be a year where there'd be. Eight AFC teams, four AFC teams, and there'd be a yeah. protest. I just it. think it would be cool if we had Super Bowls that went NFC versus NFC. I'm, I mean, the NBA's talking about doing that, yeah. I and mean, I think that's that's what you I deserve. I don't know why anyone finds this wrong. Imagine if all those Brady Manning games were in the Super Bowl. That would have I been much it. cooler than the AFC Championship. Um, that would get two pumps, two double fists, two pumps double for fists. Me. I don't know. Maybe yeah. I'll. Try clap. to clap instead. I'll work on that. Uh, Myron, great stuff as always. Great to have you. Thanks for having I'm me. Glad bro. you could join the Situation Room. It's fun. The, yeah, it was uh, original. So Josh Hermsmeyer, five thirty-eight is coming up next. George Iloka, former Viking and former Cincinnati Bengal, at three fifteen. He started a podcast, and so we're going to talk to him about that because his NFL career is done, so he's moving on. And uh, then we will have a playoff picture roundtable. With uh, Judd and Mackie in here. So lots of good stuff coming up. Uh, this is Purple Daily here on Score North. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. <laughs> We talked about it a little bit this offseason. I think, you know, he's gotten more comfortable in, in throwing balls to me in traffic. And, um, you know, I say it all the time. I, I take a lot of pride in uh, trying to make the quarterback right. You know, if he chooses to throw the ball to me in traffic, then uh, I want to make sure that he'll make that choice again uh, and do everything I can to catch it. Kyle Rudolph there. Welcome back to hour number two of Purple Daily. Coming up in about 15 minutes, former NFL safety George Iloka. But we start the hour from 538, one of my favorite football writers, Josh Hermsmeyer. How are you, Josh? Doing well, doing well. Thanks for having me on to talk some football. I do I do want to say this is just totally random, but my entire man cave is outfitted, outfitted in TCL TVs. So I'm, I'm, I feel really welcome here on the show. Really, that's great. The TCL Broadcast Studio, you're basically in a TCO studio of your own. That's amazing. Great for TCL yeah. Broadcast t- Televisions and our studio. That's TCL TVs. Um, great job, Josh. And that's the whole interview. That was it. Um, so I, I was thinking about uh, a piece you wrote today, which is, uh, is it today or at least within the last day and a half, whatever it was. Um, really good stuff about quarterbacks outside the pocket and their teams winning. And when you make your chart of quarterbacks throwing outside the pocket, we would expect Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, and there's a little Viking logo up at the top for your quarterbacks throwing out of the pocket a lot. Now, Kirk Cousins will only move when you tell him to, but it's been remarkable, Josh, that I think it's this is a sign that Kevin Stefanski and Gary Kubiak have got it right with Kirk Cousins because when you move him, he is exceptionally good. 
Absolutely. And and when I was charting some of this stuff, and I didn't actually do a deep dive on the Vikings, unfortunately, but it, it, I did look at their percentage of play action uh, out of the pocket, and it's large. That I mean, that's basically what they're doing with yeah. with Cousins. They're, they're, he's not creating out of the pocket in the way we would imagine someone like Patrick Mahomes does, but when they do move him in a design play, when it's schemed, hugely effective, and I think you can see that in that plot. And I think this season, uh, coming into the season, you know, there's a lot of talk and a lot of analytics nerds were really happy to hear kind of um, that analytics people with inside the organization, the Minnesota organization, had told Cousins they should be doing more play action, that you can't call it enough. And I, I think you're seeing a little bit of that here with this outside-the-pocket success, which has led – I think, to some uh, success on the field in terms of wins. Yeah, and Josh, I think that's why Kevin Stefanski is going to be the head coach of some other team because I know that he is always dialed into what's being said from the analytics community and things like that. And if teams are trying to be more progressive, uh, he can point to, I took the numbers with his play actions and outside the pocket and I applied them and, and made Kirk Cousins better than he's ever been. Absolutely. And, and I think, you know, uh, I think using Cousins correctly is the entire deal. Like, like uh, Lamar, Lamar Jackson, uh, if he had gone to a bad team, a team that wasn't able and ready and willing to take advantage of his unique traits and his unique abilities, you know, I don't think we would be seeing this type of success. This, you know, obviously this otherworldly success we're seeing mm-hmm. in Baltimore. But if you use Kirk Cousins correctly, he has some amazing traits and he's extremely accurate and he's, uh, he's, he's a very good, um, at, at progressing through his reads, and, and he's a smart quarterback. So I just, I'm excited to see what uh, what Minnesota has done this year with uh, with Kirk and using him to to his best potential. So Josh, here's my question though: when it comes to play actions and things like that, of, of course, those are great for getting you ahead in a football game if you can run the ball or something, right? And then they talk about the play action off it, even though that's kind of a little bit of a myth that you need to run successfully to uh, you know be able to throw off of it but you need to have somewhat of a running game and the Vikings have Delvin Cook who clearly scares the pants off of defenses it's fun to watch on tape when the three linebackers because they'll put in an extra tight end or something when they charge at Delvin Cook and then look around like wait a minute Kirk Cousins is halfway across the field how did that happen um but my question Josh though is is this sustainable in games where you can't really run in, in that situation. For example, let's say it's the fourth quarter. Let's just say you're down by four and you've got the ball with two minutes left. Just picking a scenario out of my head here that may have happened on Monday Night Football. Um, you, you can't really scheme that up for Kirk Cousins. And, and that's where I think um, with Cousins, the shortcomings show up a little bit. I think that's right. And and one of the things that I was looking at when I was doing this recent article for 538 was you know, outside the pocket, this, this creating outside of structure. I went through and I charted all the plays for the uh, the Chiefs um, that were either designed by Andy Reid to be outside the pocket, and then the ones there that was just simply Mahomes being Mahomes and doing the things that we've come to associate with him and, and what makes him a superstar in this league. And it turns out that the, 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 the schemed stuff actually isn't something that you can rely on, you know, looking forward, projecting forward to the future, hmm. whereas the stuff that Mahomes does is a little more sticky. It's something you could say, hey, that's probably going to happen again. And to the extent that, 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 you know, Kirk Cousins has limitations in that regard, and I think, you know, anyone who watches him play would say that, you know, in the big moments, um, in the moments where he has to somehow put the game on his shoulders, 
that perhaps those are the moments that uh, that those those weaknesses show up the most. I think they might have. I think they might have a point, and I think that the analytics might back that up. That has been my theory, Josh, on things like you know, third down in, in seven or, or something like that, where it's got to be probably out of the shotgun and you have to stand in there. And sometimes your guy up front's going to get beat and you have to find a way to go outside the structure and make a play. There are some times where he can do it, but not at the level of a lot of the top quarterbacks. And, and I think, Josh, that even some of the guys who we don't think of as really running quarterbacks still have this ability to make those plays outside of structure. And that's often the difference. I like to watch old football games, which I talk about here on the show. And I never thought of Joe Montana as a running quarterback by any means, but the the guy made more big plays off of whoops, something broke down and I made my coach look like a genius because I I found something down the field. And I don't know how how you reckon with that with Kirk Cousins. I don't know how you fix it or how you work on it with him. They're always going to say, yeah, we work on that in practice. But when it comes to the games, we saw it the other night against Seattle. It's fourth and short, fourth and three. And he drops back. He's got time to move outside and do something. Instead, throws it to a covered tight end for an incompletion. The game's over. A lot of times, that's the margin of error. Is is that razor thin? Yeah, no. And your point about Montana is absolutely correct. I mean, he had amazing feet. That's in fact, that's the, the first scouting point that Walsh would look at. He looked at the quarterback's feet when he was scouting them, and it's why he kind of landed on Garcia when no one else liked Jeff Garcia back in the day when he was actually consulting still. Uh, being a coach at Stanford, and, and he recommended Garcia for the 49ers. But I think I think having good feet is absolutely crucial, and then being able to move smartly in the pocket. Things that you know, I think I think those type of throws are the ones that still keep Aaron Rodgers in the in the conversation about being elite. Um, and, and it's this. I don't think it's intangible. I think it's something we can actually quantify, and that's mm-hmm. kind of exciting to me. But it's also it's also the case that um, yeah, unfortunately, I don't think that that is a trait. Um, that Kirk Cousins possesses. And, and, and again, but that's okay. As long as you build a system around his strengths and try and minimize those weaknesses, keep him out of those third and longs where it's an obvious passing down, um, I think I think you can I think you can uh, kind of mitigate some of those problems. Right. And that's where Delvin Cook has been valuable this year is you can hand it off to him and you are second and four and then run play action off of that and then it all works together. And the Vikings have one of the best offenses in the NFL. But a lot of the conversation here, as you might expect, Josh, is about the Vikings defense not being what it has been in the past. But I was taking a look at teams that appear in the Super Bowl, which is not as scientific as, as some of your studies, but the teams that have appeared in the Super Bowl in the last 10 years almost always have a great offense. The defenses are all over the map. Some defenses are absolutely awful, like Atlanta's in 2016, which you know, maybe they needed a little better there to not blow a 28-3 lead. But uh, some teams that even won the Super Bowl had mediocre defenses, and sometimes, like Seattle, uh, the defenses were great. So I think the Vikings are in a better spot now by having an elite offense and an average defense than they ever have been before in the Zimmer era. I agree with that. I think, though, that you want your passing defense to get hot at the right time. And I say hot with scare quotes all around it because, you know, I don't really believe in that kind of thing. But the idea is it's so variable, the the the, the, the performance of your defensive backs against specific opponents with different schemes. It's just really hard to say how they're going to perform any given week. But you want them to somehow get it together as a unit when all links of the chain are performing correctly, Harris Smith, everyone, doing their jobs as best they can at the right moment. And I think they can go far in the playoffs. 
Um, Because I don't believe, you know, looking at, say, you know, a defense that's been great this far through the season really tells you much about how they're going to perform these last four weeks into the playoffs. Yeah, it's a great point. And the Vikings, even if their overall ranking is mediocre, the talent they have is there. Uh, when you have two Pro Bowl defensive ends, Eric Kendricks, who's one of the best linebackers in the league by pro football focus grades this year, Harrison Smith, as you mentioned, is an all-pro caliber player. I mean, w- when you have that much talent, I feel like a team like that has an ability to make a big play or, or shut down an opponent in any given playoff game, even if over the entirety of the season they haven't been as good in the past. Yeah, absolutely right. And I think I think that's the big hope here, and I think – Actually, at 538, I think our percentages here have uh, Green Bay 71% to win the division, Minnesota's 28. I think it's much closer than that, and, you know, I don't can't really, you know, give you a good reason for this. But I, I think, you know, both of them are almost uh, assured, you know, of being in the playoffs in some, some regard. And I think, I think given the, the performance of Rodgers and Cousins uh, this year, things that we can rely on, I think you guys stand a good chance of, uh, of, of progressing in the playoffs, despite the, the fact that you might not win your division. Well, that was the last thing I was going to ask you about, Josh, is as we look at these playoff matchups, the playoff potential who the Vikings could face, um, still a lot of possibilities to go with four weeks left. How would you go about deciding what the best matchups potentially for the Vikings, if they were going to have a path all the way to the Super Bowl, what would you look at? What numbers or what factors would you put the highest to determining what their odds are? I would look at Cousins' uh, inside-the-pocket QBR or his EPA per play or wh- whatever metric you want to say to kind of talk about how good he is inside the pocket, uh, along with specifically for the Vikings, just how well they're able to execute on their play-action uh, concepts. Because, I mean, you guys have Madison and you have uh, and you have Cook. Both of them are just incredible runners. You know, even for a guy like me who says their running backs don't really matter, they both can break tackles, get you the extra yard when you need it. They're fearsome. They, they, they make you really need to gear up, uh, to make a tackle on them. I think all that stuff actually matters. Um, you know, defenders will tell you it matters. So I think, I think that, uh, as you pointed out earlier in the conversation, I think it's a big reason why play action has been so successful. And so I think that recipe, along with your defensive backs getting hot at the right time, I think there's no reason why Minnesota can't go deep in the playoffs. The specific opponents, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't know enough right now about the playoff picture. I don't think it's crystallized enough to really go through game by game. But I, I think the only team that no one wants to play right now um, is is Lamar Jackson and, and the Baltimore mm-hmm. Ravens. They're just, they're just really, really difficult to game plan for. But I think everyone else. I don't see why you guys can't win a game. I really don't. Yeah, I, I think the one matchup from my perspective is probably San Francisco because they have such a great defensive line. And when the Vikings have gone against great defensive lines, then it's a problem. Uh, but in one game, or if that game was somehow at U.S. Bank Stadium, um, I don't know if that's a possibility right, right now, but I guess that still exists. Um, if, if that happens, then then it's different. Uh, Josh Hermsmeyer, one of my favorite guys to follow, and uh, especially the other night when Booger McFarland confused the Minneapolis Miracle that was right in your brand. So um, a great night for you the other well, night. Thank, thank you, thank you for helping point it out. I, I, I almost missed it. I'm on, a, I'm on a delay, and I saw your tweet, and I was like, "Oh my goodness, he did not just say that." Uh, Tremendous stuff from Booger. He is. I stand for Booger. I know. I know some people felt like want him fired, but I don't want this ever to end. <laughs>
Uh, yeah, we all had uh, quite a time with that the other night. So uh, follow him on Twitter at Frisco Josh if you want more of that content. And at 538 Writes Football, they're always great and interesting stuff. Thanks for coming on, Josh. Thanks, Ed. Uh, make sure you follow him. One of my favorite guys. And he just, sometimes when Booger McFarlane has something that is sort of funny or like overly football-y, he, uh, Josh will just post a picture of Booger smiling. And I don't know why, but it just gives me joy. Um, so we're going to go right from Josh into a former Minnesota Viking, spent a long time in his career with the Cincinnati Bengals, and a good guy to cover from a reporter standpoint. I don't know, um, George Iloka joining us. George, is that like a big compliment or not? Or do you not want to be the guy that reporters like? Um, it doesn't, it doesn't I've, I've had a good relationship with the media during my time in the NFL, so I think it's a good thing just to be somebody that people, you know, have a good time talking to and feel like they can get, you know, some good inside information from. Well, George, when I saw you were starting a podcast, I thought, well, this makes a lot of sense because you always are a very insightful interview for anybody in the media, and we appreciate that. So it's called the Jim Bag Podcast, and I wanted to get you on to talk a little football, but also I think it's really interesting that a lot of former NFL players are turning to podcasts and creating their own little post-career brands um, to continue to stay a part of the game. Joe Thomas is on NFL Network, and that started with him doing the same thing, just starting a podcast. So maybe you can tell me about that decision to do it um, You know, after you were done with Dallas to start this podcast and go forward that way. Well, a couple of things. Uh, I'm not done yet in terms of, like, I, I haven't officially retired. Uh, I'm still looking to play. But sports broadcasting is something I've wanted to do for the last, you know, few years. And right now I've actually had the time. So I got hurt in Dallas, you know, messed up my shoulder. So I've been really been rehabbing this offseason. And I'm like, you know, this is a good time to really ju- jump into it because I'm doing it completely by myself. And it really takes up a lot of hours of my day. So once I'm done working out, it's what I spend the most of my day doing. So people don't know the last two years I took the broadcasting boot camp. It's like a little partnership between the NFL, Bowling Green University, uh, NFL Network, ESPN, Fox, and things like that. And so this is something that I really wanted, that I really want to do, you know, when I'm officially done, whenever that may be. And so this is a good time for me to kind of just start my own content and kind of just, you know, work my craft. Because one thing I realized when I took the boot camp was a lot of preparation and work that goes into it that people don't see. Like, mm-hmm. yep. people really think, you know, everyone on Twitter thinks, like, you know, I have a good take, and there's really a lot of preparation, you know, and I probably don't spend as much time as you guys spend or the, the time that, you know, as much time as the people on ESPN spend in terms of prepping in the green room. But, you know, for a, a single podcast show for me and, and my co-host, at least on my end, you know, I spend about an hour, you know, prepping in terms of, like, you know, my points and what I want to get, you know, what I want to get out there and, and things like that let alone I do my editing by myself. So there's a lot of work that goes into it that people don't realize. And, uh, and there's a lot of like mechanics, like small mechanics, whether it's radio, TV, podcast, that you can always improve on. So for me, during this time, I was like, you know, just work on that and, you know, put your own content out, uh, you know, work your craft and always have something to say. And then another thing about it, the reason why I decided to, you know, start with the podcast, because I've been fortunate enough to, you know, you know, I've had a job in terms of in the NFL, but, it wasn't really work. It was just something that I always loved to do, and I was mm-hmm. able to do it for, you know, seven to eight years. And the same thing with, you know, talking about sports or, you know, people who, you know, keep up with me on Twitter or on Instagram, they know I always have a lot to say, especially about sports and other things. And so this still doesn't feel like a job. Now, the editing and, you know, the time I spent trying to learn all the software and things like that, maybe, but 
it was still fun because it's something new and something challenging. So even this doesn't feel like work, so I'll still probably never work a day in my life. And I was fortunate enough, you know, obviously to make the amount of money in the NFL that I was able to, that this is not, it's not something that as a foreseeable future, unless I, the stock market crash, you know what I mean? <laughs> that I'm, you know, looking to in terms of like, oh, I'm just trying to make money. I'm just doing what I love. And it, so far in my life, doing what I love has happened to pay off. So uh, that's just kind of where I'm at with it. So is, is your plan, George, to just keep going with this and see how things play out? See if another NFL team wants to sign you at some point. If they don't, just go forward with the media career? Well, I'm just going. So the one thing about, you know, the media uh, lane or the media career, the media avenue, at least for me, is right away I realized, like, I don't know how to navigate it. You know, first and foremost, in football, you kind of know how to navigate it. It's like the steps are high school, you know, you have to do well, make it on varsity, do well, get a scholarship to somewhere, do well in, in college, uh, get invited to the combine and or uh, do well at your pro day, you know, get in. It's like this kind of steps and it's really just a lot that you could control, honestly. In football, and that's one thing between, and that's the only thing that scares me about the broadcasting world and this is what they taught me, uh, you know, at the boot camp. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, you know, it's like 90, 93, it's about 97% of like what you say the content and things like that, and are you being insightful? Can you inform the listeners and things like that? But it's like 3% that you either have it or you don't, or people either like what you say or don't. And you could say the exact same thing. Uh, the exact, two, two different people could say the exact same thing, and it might not hit the same way with the other person. So, And when it comes to TV, which is not really my focus now, uh, truth be told, you know, if it happens, it happens, but I'm really not – I really don't want that schedule. I really want to, if I'm done playing, I do want to take a break for a while in terms of any kind of, you know, real schedule routine is TV. You know, they, they eat up a lot of your hours. I mean, shout out to Ryan Clark and he's doing a tremendous job there at ESPN. But have you seen him? He's, I mean, this, the first show he's on there and he's on there on the last show. So that's not something I'm currently looking for right now. Even though I'm a hard worker and things like that, I just look, I just like where I'm at right now and what I'm doing at my own pace. And then another part about the whole broadcasting, uh, you know, in the sports media world is uh, in terms of navigating, I don't know how to navigate it. So I'm just really just putting out my own content, working my craft and doing what I, I want to do and doing what I need to do to improve myself. And uh, if opportunity comes, it comes. But it's not like you don't like you call it like when I want to get a tryout or I want to see how things are feeling about me, you know, in the NFL, I call my agent up and say, you know, what are they talking about? Oh, they say this, they want to wait, uh, or, you know, they want to see this young guy, whatever the case may be is, I don't know how to navigate the sports uh, broadcasting world. So I'm just kind of like doing my own thing right now. And, and it's been fun. It's been great. So, well, yeah, that's kind of, I, I would be willing to help, George, uh, but I can tell you that it's a, it's a weird path. It's never a normal path, like Absolutely. you said, with, with football. I, I called um, indoor football league games where the place where they were playing them was too small to kick field goals. So the field goal <laughs> would hit the roof, and then the referees would just decide, like, okay, I think that was headed in, so it's good. Um, you know, that, was yeah. one, that was one of my first gigs. So you kind of never know what's going to uh, spark you in, in the right media direction, you know? Absolutely. And, and it really, I mean, there's every, every now, I mean, guys see the guys that, you know, people see the guys who make it like straight to ESPN or straight to the booth. You see the Tony Romos, you see the uh, uh, Jason Wins, but those are like rare, rare examples. And obviously the names, you know, played into them getting those jobs, but then obviously their performance either kept them or not in those jobs. But the majority of people, especially non-athletes, it's not an, it's not a quick path. It's, you know, you guys went to college, you know, like you said, you're over here calling games at, some small 
rinky-dink, you know, arena or stadium, <laughs> yep. and then you worked your way up. And that's just how it goes because uh, Booger was there at the uh, – you know, and you, it's funny because I heard you talk about Booger before I came on. Booger, when they talked about his story, how he was calling high school games just, you know, yep. and things like that, just trying to work his craft. I don't even know if he was doing it for money at the time, but whenever he was done with the league, he was like, let me just do this, work this craft, work this craft. And as much, you know, slack that he get, uh, you know, as much, you know, uh, mess that people talk about him on Twitter – I don't get it, and, and I, honestly, it's not easy. That that what's crazy, that's the hardest part. A uh, color analyst always having something to say, but not just anything, but something insightful. It's pretty hard. So uh, I really uh, look up and admire, you know, the path that he's taken and the path that you guys have taken. And it's, it's not, it's not the majority of stories are like your own or like Boogers. They're not like the Tony Romo, who's a rare uh, case of just like excellence, you know, right out the gate. But um, the majority of the path, it, it is the long, it is a long path, and I know that, and so. This is kind of how I'm starting out. Well, I can relate to Booger making a mistake every once in a while. I called minor league baseball games, too, and uh, one night thought thought the ball left the ballpark, called it a home run, gave, <laughs> gave my big home run call. That one's gone. It was a ground rule double. It hit the ground and bounced out. So the guy stopped at second and is like, well, I'd just like to inform the listening audience that that was indeed not a home run. Uh, so, you know. The, was that before or after Twitter? Was uh, after Twitter? Luckily, yeah, that, really was, that was early Twitter. Otherwise, I'm sure that fans of that minor league team, whatever ones were oh, yeah. out there, would have smoked me for it. And, uh, you know, so it, it goes, along, goes along with the gig. You're yeah. right. Absolutely. In 2019, you can't make a mistake. <laughs> they're, they're on you quick on Twitter. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, George Iloko, we're talking to former. Well, no, no, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say former. Still current NFL yeah. player, but not playing right current, now in the NFL. Current NFL free agent. Yeah, current NFL free agent. Absolutely, yes. yes how yes. how has it been not playing, and how much has this helped you? Uh, it's been good. I mean, I guess because I was hurt that it didn't really, you know, I wasn't really pressed, so to say. I mean, I was ready at any moment, but uh, it it was it's been different. You know, I have a different appreciation for the game not not that i didn't appreciate it but i don't know like i would say the first couple of weeks it was kind of like rough and but not anymore it's just more so like i realize a lot of things are out of your control i i still believe in my abilities i feel like there's a lot of teams out there especially with the bad some of the bad ball i've seen out there this year that i can help but at the same time if you're in this league long enough you know it's not about that you, you know it's a there's so many different things that play into it uh money uh, salary cap mm-hmm. and what guy they drafted, are they even playing for this year still? Not tanking, so to say, but are they just developing for the future right. and things like that? So, you know, I've been called, uh, at least this what my agent said, a couple of teams, you know, referred to me as they said, like, I'm a stopgap player, which means essentially you're a guy that if they bring in a, you know, a decent uh, round draft pick safety, you're going to beat them out year in and year out, but you're also, they don't see you as the future, so to say, or right. somebody that they, they have long-term plans with and you're essentially stopping or stunting that player's growth, even though at the current moment they're not better than you. So when things like that happen and, something, and you know, in, in my time with, uh, you know, the Cowboys this offseason and things like that, you see that there's a lot of things out of your control, and I don't ever dwell on things that's out of your control. I just try to, you know, be a good person and control what I control, which is, you know, I work out every day. I'm in shape. I train like as if I'm still going to get a call because you never know what could happen. And whatever happens, happens. But uh, that's just part of that's just part of the NFL journey. It's just part of the NFL process. You realize that as you go through it. Well, George, let, let's give some people some example of your uh, analytical abilities when it comes to the game. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you some football questions here before we let you go. I mean, the Vikings are in the thick of a playoff race. Uh, you were with this team last year. Um, how far do you think that they can go? I mean, 
a couple of things. The sky, I mean, they still control their destiny. I know they took a loss to the Seattle Seahawks, and that was disappointing because everybody came down on Monday night, Kurt. You know, my guy, Kurt Cousins, everyone was tough on him because he was 0-8. Right currently he's 0-8 on Monday night football. But if you watch the game, he did enough for them to win. Uh, you can't account for the defense uh, rarely giving up 200-plus yards rushing. That's not something that you would expect out of a Coach Zimmer-type defense. And there's a lot of – no one uh, – and this is the part that really caught me off guard, uh, the special teams play. Yeah. Uh, a missed kick, right, a fake punt that was converted in a, bl- in a botch and a fumbled on the kick return play. So there's a lot of things that, you know, if you watch the whole game, you saw that you don't really think is going to happen a lot. So I'm still, I'm still high on this team. I still think – uh, whatever they are to accomplish this year is still in front of them, but they they better not take a break because then they better not you know take a deep breath and relax because there's a couple teams uh, on their heels: mm-hmm. the Chicago Bears and the Los Angeles Rams. All right, and then Los Angeles Rams play Dallas. You know, they play them next week, not this week, next week. I'm sorry, and and then after that, then the, then the Vikings play the uh, the Los Angeles Rams. So. With a team like that playing the Cowboys, and they're going the Minnesota Vikings going up to Los Angeles. I'm, I'm not going to call it tracking. I'm, I say the Rams. I'm sorry, the Los Angeles Chargers. Chargers, sorry, right? Excuse yeah. Me, excuse me. Yes, I'm not going to call it a trap game. But the last time we, because I was there last year, went to Los Angeles, at least on defense, we got our teeth kicked in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. We couldn't. We couldn't really stop anybody. Um, and I'm not going to say it's because of a lack of focus, but I can say just in my time in the league, from Texas and on west, I mean, I'm sorry, in Texas and on east, when you travel to the west coast and you get that extra day, uh, it just throws off your schedule. Uh, guys like to not go out and party, but, you know, guys, because you go there extra days so on the Friday, you like to go out, see family, and go out to eat. It just It's hard to lock in. So mm-hmm. and a couple of teams that go out there this year, to play in Los Angeles, whether it's the Chargers or the Rams, they sometimes struggle. Now, I think this team has enough veterans where they can handle it. They saw what happened last year, so that's a game they cannot afford to lose. It, to me, has the potential to be a trap game. But, yeah, like I said, they still control their destiny. Um, uh, And I have high hopes for them. Uh, George. As long as... Well, well, you well, you called Cousins your guy, Kirk. Um, well, can you tell tell us something about being in the room with Kirk Cousins that we wouldn't know from the outside? Uh, I think you've seen. I mean, how he is on camera for the most part is how he is in, is in person. He's very energetic, positive. He's vocal. You know, um, despite all the criticism that he receives between him and Dak, they're the most criticized quarterbacks, you know, in the league. Mm-hmm. But um, no, he's pretty. He's pretty positive. He takes ownership when you know he makes mistakes, and I just thought he was a well-rounded person in terms of how he conducted himself as a quarterback. Obviously, you know, there's there's things as a player that he wishes and other people wish, you know, he would he would do better things like that. But him as the person and a character and and, and high character guy that he is, I have really been bad to say about him. He really embraces everybody that comes into the locker room, uh, and and he's someone that I look to as a leader. When, and when I was there. George Iloka, you can follow him on Twitter at George underscore Iloka. That is I-L-O-K-A. The Jim Bag Podcast. Uh, I've started uh, paying attention to it, listening. I'm going to subscribe using uh, iTunes there. Uh, George, really great stuff. I'm excited to hear your opinions. And I hope we can have you on again soon, man. Great stuff. No, thanks for having me on here. Thank you. Yep, for sure. George Iloka. Um, 
current NFL free agent and former Minnesota Viking, and it's good. Like I, I, when I saw that he had a podcast, I said, oh, "Okay, great," because I had talked to George a few times in the locker room. Just a very smart, very insightful guy, as you could hear, and great stuff. So, if you missed any of our conversation with George Iloka or Josh Hermsmeyer, make sure you subscribe to our show, which is uh, Purple Daily. Just go wherever you get your podcast, leave a comment, leave a. Uh, Five stars, I guess, or however many stars you want to give. Uh, anyway, so we're going to get to our playoff picture thing, round table, preview. Not really preview. We're really good analysis. at naming things here. This should have been your job today. Round table. Uh, all right. Round uh, table. Phil Mackey and Judd in to talk playoff picture when we return. You listen to Purple Daily on Score North. Jonathan here with the Score North download. We'll start off with a quick reminder that the Score North podcast network consists of more than a dozen shows. From Purple Daily and Raised by Wolves to The Scoop with Doogie and Royce Unchained, you can find a full list of these Minnesota sports podcasts over at scorenorth.com and the free Score North mobile app, or just search Score North, S-K-O-R North, anywhere you find your podcast. Kyle Rudolph spoke to the media yesterday and was asked about the rookies making an impact on the team this year. Here's what he said. Well, I mean, I think it starts with uh, their willingness to learn in the offseason, Um you know, oftentimes as a rookie, you're not getting every rep. Um, you're not out there all the time, um, but you're still, and they say it all the time, uh, you have to be ready when your number's called, but they weren't the ones taking the plays in, in the preseason games. Uh, you know, it's the ones and twos that are getting most of the reps in all training camp preseason. So uh, it just shows their willingness to learn and then, you know, taking advantage of opportunities. That's been your score North download. Now back to the final segment of the week of Purple Daily. Thank you, Jonathan. All right. For the next 15 minutes or so to close the week, I want to focus closely on the playoff race. And to help me do so, Phil Mackey. Hi, Phil. Hello, sir. And Mr. Judd Zolgad. Judd, how are you? I'm good, Matthew. Jonathan will continue to do whatever he's doing. Um, you good, Jonathan? You good? Yeah, I'm good. Okay, Thanks. all right. Just feel free to jump in if you got any thoughts. Um, all right, so right now, fellas, here's the playoff picture in the NFC. But we could talk about the AFC, too, because it's going to get really interesting. We have the New Orleans Saints are in the one, the Seattle Seahawks in the two, the three is Green Bay, the four is Dallas, <laughs> uh, number five is San Francisco, and the sixth seed is the Minnesota Vikings. And this playoff picture looks very much like the playoff picture could be but even this week things can start to change around we've got the new orleans saints playing against the san francisco 49ers and then on sunday night football los angeles at seattle so here's where i want to begin with this how much different do you guys think that this playoff picture is going to look from right now to the very end okay i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna start with a little panic alarm here okay um I think. Do you have an actual alarm you wanted to hit? Is that a thing you reached for? Yes, I do. I always have a panic alarm. I have Judd next to me. Judd is the <laughs> panic say, that's alarm my, walking around the building. That's yes. why, why are you using my alarm? So the Chicago Bears are now seven and six and have a game against the Vikings. Still, we all know how that goes. Sometimes the St. Louis, uh, the St. Louis, the Los Angeles Rams are seven and five. Tough schedule. I think they have a couple games against San Francisco and Seattle. The, the the one spot on this playoff bracket that I would be the most unsure about is the Minnesota Vikings spot in that six seed right now. And I and I, I think the Vikings are, are more likely to win their next four games than any of the other teams I just mentioned. 
but things happen against Green Bay and Chicago. So I, I'm I'm curious to see. Don't lose to the Lions and make this more interesting of than course. it has to be. That's step one for the Vikings. But I don't think Chicago is necessarily dead yet. After the Sunday, uh, Monday night game, there was every reason to think, all right, that wasn't good, and you should be talking about how Xavier Rhodes looked bad again, and you should be talking about how Kirk Cousins couldn't lead the game-winning drive again, and all that is fine, but if we pull back, your bigger picture is you are in a great spot, and we all feel pretty secure about the Vikings' playoff chances, but Judd... What Chicago did last night and what Los Angeles did to get to where they are at 7-5, and five, all of a sudden, does it feel like you should be less secure? Or do you still feel like, look, the, the playoffs are almost a given here? Okay. You know what? I'm not, I'm not going to panic. I'm very torn on the Bears. Uh, and why? The Bears were, what, 3-5 and five at, at one point. They've now won four of their past five games. All right. But look at who they've beaten when they've beaten them. They've beaten Detroit twice. Detroit is returned to being the Lions. They beat the Giants. The five of us, Phil, Declan, Judd, Matthew, Jonathan, could take a trip to New Jersey right now and arguably beat the Giants. The Giants are an absolute just dumpster fire. They're Knicks-like. And then last night they beat Dallas, and Dallas looks to me like they just quit playing football. So on one hand, I look at Chicago and say, wow. Now, the only thing that scares me a little bit is the fact that, to Phil's point, and and we've certainly discussed this before, Collar, the Bears give the Vikings trouble in that last game. They just give them trouble. But do the Bears scare me as this juggernaut team? Not really. And the other thing, just quickly, is I think this conference and this league, for the most part, is so bad. And the Vikings aren't a bad team. The Vikings are not a terrible team. That it would take an act of God on the Vikings' part to miss the playoffs. And when you're talking about this week against the third-string quarterback, Correct. I would hope so, no, but we just kind of went through this tough. a few weeks ago with Denver saying, oh, yeah, they're, they're just going to blast Denver, and then they get down by 20 points, and the Chargers could be tougher. Uh, George Iloka was just talking about how difficult it is for teams in the Midwest and East to go out to the West Coast uh, and beat those teams. Well, and, that, and that becomes kind of the question, Phil. When we look at the win-loss record for the Vikings, we go game to game. Uh, all the teams with winning records, they have lost against. And all the teams with not winning records, they've beaten. It's remarkable. So you've got a couple of teams here that are not so great. Uh, but right now, if they stay with this trend, they'll go 2-2. Two and two. Is that going to be good enough, I, I guess, for them to be in. I actually think, so this is the, I wouldn't say the likely scenario. I think they run the table. I think, and, and I, again, is it likely that, you know, as, as, a, as a guy who's played a lot of poker in his life, just because you have like an 80% chance to win one hand doesn't mean that you're going to win all of the 80% hands. Like, the Vikings, I think, are going to, I think they're going to be, uh, first of all, they play really well at home, and they're going to, I think they're going to go 3-0 in the home games, and the the road game is against basically like the worst home environment in the NFL. <laughs> yes, so yeah. so they, it's not like they have a game where you say, oh man, that's going to be, that's going to be one that they're just only going to win three times out of ten. So the, the scenario that intrigues me the most here, and I tweeted this out last night, uh, and it, it, it's, it's the Vikings finishing 12-4, and four, the Packers, let's say, finishing 12-4, and four, Winning all of their non-Vikings games, the Saints finishing at least twelve and four, along with the Seahawks and 49ers. and then you have a seven and nine NFC East team, just like we yes. saw like ten years ago, the hosting an awesome wild card team at their home stadium. Yeah, that is very much in play, and the Vikings are very much in play to be the team that travels to that home site. 
Think about that for a second. Yeah, and and that would be great for them if that could work out that way. But they'd probably have to start as the six and go to Green Bay, the three. Is that a good matchup for them right now? Should we be rooting for them to go to Green Bay if they can't? Right now, it's really hard to get the five seed. You're two whole games behind the San Francisco 49ers. Right. So even if you run the table and they go two and two, they're still going to get that spot. Right. Um, it kind of looks like this is where it's lining up to be. And if you're the Vikings, I don't think that that worries you too much. You've been to Lambeau a hundred times. It's just as long as you can land the plane in Appleton and it doesn't slide off. Which would never happen. But the story of the Vikings, of course, is the plane does slide off and get stuck in the mud, and nobody dies, fortunately, <laughs> it, but it you is. still get stuck. But but is that as we go down the stretch here? Is that what if we assume the Vikings are in the playoffs? What we should be thinking? This is good if they end up going to Lambo. The the problem is this: the Packers don't scare the Vikings. They don't scare us. I think the Packers. You could justify saying, okay, we're going on the road. We're playing in a place that we played before, and we know that we can occasionally. Beat the Packers there. In fact, in week two, they begged us to come back and beat them, and we just didn't do it. What um, what bothers me about that game, though, is outdoors on grass, where the Vikings are traditionally not good. And actually, that's why, the more I think about this, I think the Vikings are going to win three of their last four. I think they're going to win on Sunday. I think they're going to beat the Packers here. I think that they're going to win the last game against the Bears, because Trubisky ultimately will Trubisky. You think Phillip Rivers' car is a The Chargers game on grass scares me. No, because that that shouldn't be a tough place to play. There's going to be a ton of Vikings fans there. But the fact that you're going on the road, playing on grass, and, and I'm not saying that that's going to stop them from going to the playoffs. I don't think it will. But that's the one game that bothers me. And, and that's why I say first-round playoff game at Lambeau, you don't say to yourself, well, they're dead there. But, again, the path to success to me runs through being home, which is going to be, at this point, impossible. I need to know more about Adam Thielen's status for January. If I'm the Vikings right now, he does not play in December. I don't think you need him to make the playoffs in December. I think you can. I think you can get to the playoffs with 11 or 12 wins, uh, and and then you hope that he's ready to rock and roll sometime in January. But like Adam Thielen's presence changes so many things. If you go back to the Kansas City game, you go back to I've said this about the Seattle game, and of course the retorts are, "Well, does he play cornerback?" I'm not saying that. Like, <laughs> yes, they would have given up. A million points and yards in that game. It's the new is but, he a kicker, right? From like preseason, it was like he no, kicker? he can't. I'm sure he. I'm sure he could kick better than some former Vikings kickers because he's awesome. He's an athlete. But like, if Adam Thielen's on the field at the end of that Seattle game and the Vikings are down by four points with the ball, three and a half minutes to go, you're not stuck throwing in tight quarters to Laquan Treadwell and a rookie tight end who's covered. Like, you're going to have Thielen or Diggs more open in those spots, and so I have a hard time. Because I'm judging the Vikings from how I've looked at them the last month without Adam Thielen. And I need to know, what do they look like in some of these scenarios with Adam Thielen? And I don't know if Adam Thielen's coming back this season. It is fair to bring that up. They had him last year, they had him earlier this year, and they found ways to work around it for the most part. I'm not saying that it's not different at all because he's a great player. It's just that they did a good job of distributing the ball to other people, and I don't know how much different it would be if Adam Thielen is in or if he's not in, uh, but it doesn't seem like you should be super high on him coming back anytime soon. Now, if it is for the playoffs, then you're integrating him back into an offense that's been very good, and maybe it just does change it a bit. 
did. But I don't think that the offense is the thing that we really talk about with what you're concerned about going into the playoffs. Going against any of these defenses except San Francisco, you'd feel pretty good about it. Uh, Green Bay's defensive line can be a problem. But you put up points against Seattle. New Orleans does not have a perfect defense. Of course, Dallas, you can light up their defense. That's what I want to know from you guys. Do you see it the same way I do? That the team at any point you don't want to run into is the San Francisco 49ers. That you want them to stay in the five seed. So the only place you could face them possibly would be the NFC Championship. Yeah, I agree. And and my biggest problem here is not Kirk Cousins. It's not Thielen. It's not uh, Delvin Cook. It's also this defense now. And, and I never thought in the course of the 2019 season that that I would say this or that the, uh, this discussion on a show like this would come up. But the reality is I just don't know now. I don't know if this defense, and I realize that statistically we could talk about good offenses, Trump defenses, and if you have a hot offense, it, it helps. But this, uh, this defense has taken such an enormous step backwards, and it's not just the cornerbacks, guys. It's the interior of the defensive line. It's different places. That, you know, if you're going on the road and in that scenario, you are ordinarily playing some pretty good quarterbacks right there. Can you stop them? Can you get to them? Can, can you pressure that, them enough that I can, I can take some of the pressure on the back end off right now? Incredibly. Unfortunately, if you're a Vikings fan, the answer is probably no. But here's the thing. So I, and I, I hear you guys because the defense, this is the worst Vikings defense under Mike Zimmer since his first year here. It just is like, the pieces are older. Xavier Rhodes is not going to just revert back to the same Xavier Rhodes as three years ago. Pieces aren't in place, Phil. They are not in place. Brett, thank you. But the step back that the defense has taken, I could argue that the offense has taken maybe not quite as much of a step forward as the defense has taken back. But right now, I just pulled this up, uh, yards per play, just a basic just a basic uh, gauge for offense in the NFL. Right now, yards per play offense is in the NFL. Dallas is number one. They have, That's the amazing thing. Dallas, actually, you look at point differential... They average more yards per play than any team in the NFL, and they lose these games. Like, Jason Garrett, why are you still on the sidelines? And he's uh, kicking field goals and taking the top offense off of the field. It's ridiculous. Like, this is great. Uh, but go get him. You're still going to win the division probably. So Dallas, number one in the NFL yards per play. Baltimore and Kansas City, with maybe the two best quarterbacks in the league, are second and third. And the Vikings are fourth. And so I think we can sit here and we can bang our heads against the table about the defense. And, man, how how is it going to... The formula for the Vikings winning games down the stretch and winning some of these playoff games we talk about is probably going to be outscore somebody 31 to 27. I mean, that's sort of the reality we're looking at here. How can they put three more points up on the board uh, in Seattle to to win that game? How can they win that game 42 to 37? That's the what you just said at the very end there to me, Collar, is the problem at Seattle. At U.S. Bank Stadium, I'd buy that completely. I'd say, you know what? Hell yeah, go do it. But if we're saying at San Francisco, at Seattle, at New Orleans, that's where I say I don't see it. And that's the thing. Like I could, I could make a case for any of these road scenarios. I could make a case because they they played tight at Lambeau. They should have won that game if not for Kirk Cousins throwing a bad interception. Um, it, they, they, I don't know if they should have won the game at Seattle, but they definitely could have won. That was kind of a coin flippy game. They can win any of these road games. Let's say minus San Francisco's on a different level. Like at San Francisco is more of a two or three out of ten scenario. I think at Seattle, at maybe even at New Orleans this year, that's not that's not quite the same New Orleans team as as a couple years ago, in my opinion. But 
you're not going to win three of those. Yep. Like you can yep. you can flip the coin. Hey, what do you mean you can win one of these road games? Are you going to win three of those road right. games? Yeah. I think they have to find a way if they're going to go anywhere to get the first game here, and that means partly. Uh, Green Bay maybe falling apart against Chicago. Yeah. That one's a hard one, though, if you're a Vikings fan, because if Green Bay falls apart against Chicago and they lose, you're like, oh, good, they lost. Oh, wait, that means Chicago's <laughs> closer to us now. For sure. And then oh, Week man. 17 could matter. So the scenarios are going to be interesting. Last thing before we wrap up the playoff picture round table or whatever type of shape table you guys want to use. It's a kidney um, bean uh, uh, the, discussion here. Yeah, it's uh, some sort of triangle. Um, the uh, AFC is amazing outside of Pittsburgh just good teams and Baltimore New England starting to fall apart they lose to Houston but I never count them out until they're actually dead until Tom Brady is fully retired for seven years I will (laughs) then believe that the Patriots are not going to win the Super Bowl but I'm looking at Kansas City they have an opportunity this week against the New England Patriots at New England to remind everyone they should actually be Super Bowl favorites you say I, you I think, Kansas City, you say. I think Kansas City really? should. I mean, I really like Why? Baltimore like everybody else. I do wonder the same thing everyone else wonders about the running quarterback in the playoffs. If that's going to work to get to a Super Bowl, it has before with Colin Kaepernick, so mm-hmm. it's not impossible. But Kansas City lost Pat Mahomes. They didn't play great football with Matt Moore in there, but their defense has playmakers. They give up a lot of yards, but they also get picks. Somebody like Aaron Matthew. And... Reminder, they have the best quarterback in the NFL. And if you look at who makes the Super Bowl, who wins the Super Bowl for the history of this entire freaking sport, he's the best quarterback in the NFL. I think he's better than Lamar Jackson still um, because he can do it entirely with his arm if he's required to do so. I won't fight you on this uh, because that's how we felt at the beginning of the year about Kansas City. And just because Matt Moore came in and played a few games doesn't mean that we should be. And then they, you know, they're eight and four instead of 10 and six or something. Um, I, I won't fight you on that, and this is a good chance for them to prove it. And I also just like the fact that we're a week into December right now, and you probably have six, seven, maybe up to eight or nine teams that wouldn't really surprise you that much if they won the Super Bowl. Is this the latest we've gone with this many teams that wouldn't shock you? Like if Seattle won the Super Bowl, would anyone be super shocked? You know? No, no, not uh, at all. And it's I think it's because we're seeing at the top the best quarterback play probably in the history of the league. Yeah. So when so you have fun. that many great franchise quarterbacks playing at this level, thank God because we're seeing some awful play at other positions. <laughs> yeah, well, and and the bad teams' quarterback oh. play not so great. Um, Judd, Phil, you guys are going to hang around. Rami as well. Mackie and Judd with Rami coming up next. If you missed any of the week, make sure you go check out the podcasted version wherever you get your podcast. Just type in Purple Daily. Thank you, Jonathan, for great work this week as always. And we will catch you after Vikings Lions. See you then. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The College Football Playoff Committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the College Football Playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the College Football Playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. 
Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.